We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Jaguars are so good, they can rest their starters in the third quarter. Justin Jefferson came up short for everybody in their Super Bowl championships and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by No House Advantage. Jeff Erickson and Nick Whalen here. Uh, it is a championship weekend, a lot of big championships. I was in uh, six different finals, five of which were brutal, like awful, no good. And I'm counting a couple NFSE uh, format. One NFSE, one the Raz Bowl. Uh, just, just awful, awful day for me yesterday. But it, it won't matter if the Bengals win tonight, Nick Whalen. It most certainly won't. That, that'll erase quite a bit for you. Uh, seating certainly on the line for the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. Uh, I personally am looking forward to getting the full Week 18 schedule, uh, which is expected to come perhaps at halftime uh, of that Monday night game. Heard some rumblings that, uh, about that. Um, but but who, who cost you your fantasy championships across these various leagues? I'm curious to know uh, who we need to be angry at heading into the, the offseason. So I'm not angry. I'm disappointed, first of all. But uh, no, uh, Je- Justin Jefferson, you know, I can't I can't be mad at him because I mean, he, he carried me there and it really wasn't truly his fault. It was primetime cousins. That was the, the problem. Uh, and and the, the, the Vikings offensive line issues just got blown up big time. I think that was an underrated storyline there. Um, just everything fell apart. A lot of players not doing a whole lot. I, it's. You know, your guy, Trevor Lawrence, I had to start him in the NFFC because Jalen Hurts wasn't playing and we're not allowed pickups in the playoffs. So my two quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had like three points or six points or whatever for me. He threw an interception. He there's negative points for that. And, you know, every touchdown was either a rushing or a defensive touchdown. So uh, just nothing. You know, and the thing is, I knew that was a risk. I mean, the game literally was meaningless to them, except for just the whole keep keep the momentum going um it didn't matter what happened in that game they as a result i knew that was coming you know i, I can't really get too mad about that but you know it happens uh so let, let's start in the nfc south let's talk about your jaguars prime time jaguars as the case may be playing saturday night this week yeah well they, they still can't get the the sunday or the monday prime time game uh but now they, they'll play it on thursday and saturday and if they win you know we'll see how that playoff schedule shakes out 
Uh, almost everything went the Jags way. Uh, you know, obviously they took care of business against Houston. Could have used a loss by the Pittsburgh Steelers last night to Baltimore. That would have uh, you know, given a better chance to uh, yeah. get a wild card window open in the event that Jacksonville were to lose to Tennessee. But either way, I mean, the Jags have to feel really good heading into Saturday night. I just got an alert that the Titans have officially named Josh Dobbs their starter for that game. I would rather see Malik Willis out there just because of I, course I you Josh would Dobbs, Josh Dobbs made some throws, man. I mean, yeah. he didn't play great, but he was certainly an upgrade over Malik Willis. He, he looks like a much more confident, experienced player. Um, so that, that worries me a little bit, but at the same time, I don't know how you can look at you know, what happened yesterday and have any less faith in Jacksonville. I mean, they absolutely took care of business. They did exactly what they needed to do. And really this is kind of the script that we talked about all week on the XM show, right? Was, you know, get up early, you know, basically you know, Play your starters as long as you have to. This is a winnable game, a game that you want to win for wildcard purposes. And as soon as you feel like you have it in hand, pull those guys. And, you know, I I think they executed it perfectly. They were up 28-0 in this game before we saw C.J. Beathard. Yeah, that pick six by uh, just just slayed me. I mean, it was great for the Jaguars. Just killed me. Just absolutely killed me because I knew after that. They're not going to, they had no incentive to try to air it out that much after that. I mean, he, Lawrence did throw it through his pick after that. He still ended up with like 150 passing yards, but mm-hmm. I needed something. I needed something, anything just to get through this. And I didn't get it. I, I, I put together like such a low score in my NFC, NFFC primetime. Um, I started off around 35th, uh, top 22 payout for the overall. Mm-hmm. I ended Sunday like around 110. Um, just, and it, he wasn't, obviously wasn't the only person to blame. And I had a, some flawed roster issues too. Like second running back was pretty weak. Uh, but I had a lot of things that were working, uh, and most of them didn't work. The only thing that really worked was, uh, George Kittle doing his thing. Cause he, he, he's been play a playoff monster, but, uh, just brutal, but you know what? Hey, good for the Jaguars. And I'll say Saturday night. I mean, it's the night game on Saturday, too. Not just oh, yeah. a Saturday standalone game, but also Saturday night when this is a game with meaning with heft. I, I agree. It shouldn't be the Sunday night one. It shouldn't be yep. the like, shouldn't be the one where you're like, OK, I'm really excited. You know, it, it, <laughs> speak you for know. yourself. No, no. But you know what I'm saying? It's a battle for, yes. you know, eight and seven versus I mean, or nine. And I guess what? Yeah. Did I get it right? Uh Eight and eight versus seven eight and, and nine. Versus, yep, yep. To get in, I mean, it, it's what it deserves. It's it's a very important game, um, and the Jaguars are obviously playing very well. They're, it's 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 studying in contrast. That's for yeah. sure. I, I would prefer Saturday night. You know, from just a watchability fan perspective, um, you know, maybe, maybe get some people together here in Milwaukee if I could kind of scrounge up some Jaguars interest among my friend groups. So yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I would I would rather that than you know this game be at noon on Sunday or or in the afternoon window. On Sunday, I think there were some dreams of, of maybe getting that Sunday night spot, but but for several reasons, which I'm sure we'll discuss, I think there are some better options. Um, and I'm actually going to be in the house at Lambeau Field for Lions Packers next week. Nice. We don't have a time on that. It's, it's for sure going to be sometime on Sunday. But uh, yeah, we, we have a potentially great or potentially disastrous weekend uh, for Nick Whalen coming up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I. I Feel the same way about, yeah, you know, yours is more do or die to get in the playoffs. Bengals, it's seeding. Uh, but that, I mean, obviously it starts tonight with the uh, Bengals-Bills. Massive, massive game. You know, I could if, if I was grouchy this morning about how everything went, I'm going to be really grouchy tomorrow if, if when the Bengals lose. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, anything else from the, the Jaguar, the specifics from the Jaguars-Texans game? I mean, ETN broke off the big run. That was nice to yep. see. Um, 
I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. It wasn't on Red Zone that often. It wasn't on the eight grid channel. So I have to do a rewatch of the game. But since they, they put it in the cooler in the third quarter, I don't know if I really want to go through that. No, I would maybe watch the first half. Um, and, you know, Lawrence did throw a pick. Other than that, super sharp. I mean, he was 17 of 21 for 152. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. really have to do much on the ground. Like, you know, that, that long run by ETN ripped off the 62-yarder. Uh, you know, that, that's really what kind of broke this game open for Jacksonville. And, you know, we saw Snoop Connor getting in on the action. We saw Jermichael Hasty getting in on the action. Uh, CJ Beathard looked terrible when he came in. But, you know, the game was basically over at that point. But if you weren't paying close attention, if you're just wondering for fantasy purposes, I mean, Lawrence and the starters basically played just the first series of the third quarter, and that was it. So they were out at about the nine-and-a-half-minute mark. Yeah. All right. Titans and Cowboys. As alluded, Josh Dobbs looked like a replacement level quarterback, which is a compliment compared to Malik Willis. Uh, They actually could do some throws, not a lot. Um, And as the game went on, you could start to see Dallas was starting to figure him out a little bit more, too. Um, You know, still, I think it's pretty clear that that's transparent. That is the right decision to start him over Willis. With Willis in there, you just it takes away a big chunk of their offense uh, that you just can't make certain plays exactly exactly i I think you know with willis the idea is that you have this dynamic rusher and you have to account for that but you know frankly outside of a few you know kind of highlight plays for willis i think he had a touchdown a couple games ago you know made a guy miss uh if he's not doing that routinely he's not worth what you're sacrificing as a passer and look i mean josh jobs is is not going to step in and be patrick mahomes here but i think he was significantly more competent against a pretty good defense uh, on Thursday night. So like looking at this from like a Jaguars perspective, I would absolutely rather have Malik Willis start this game and you're going to feel pretty good about it either way, whether it's Dobbs or Willis and it will be Dobbs. Uh, But at least Dobbs is a a professional quarterback who can make throws. And with Willis, you just don't have that level of confidence. So um, I think if you're Tennessee, you come out of this game feeling okay. I mean, this was a, a seven, nothing game at the half. Uh, Tennessee, you know, really threatened at, at points, uh, or excuse me, seven nothing at the end of the first, ten six at the half. Um, you know, I think everybody was expecting Tennessee to just get completely blown out of the water here. So you went into this game with no expectations, but I think you come out feeling okay. You know, you you feel like all right, we're we're comfortable with Josh Dobbs. We've seen it for a game. You know, got, got some reps in with guys like Traylon Burks and Robert Woods who had a touchdown in this game. And I, I think what you have to remember is Derrick Henry did not play, and and obviously that changes things for next week. So comfortable if i'm the jaguars confident uh but this is not going to be a walk in the park i think we know that yeah jeffrey simmons didn't play um they they held out some key players here dallas on the other hand lost their center got his ankle rolled up they're talking about him being it's a high ankle sprain uh optimistic about a postseason return Uh, you know that's i you know I, i i we'll see i mean they had to do all sorts of shifting just to get everybody you know get their line reset uh in, in during that game and they he spent the broadcast spent a good amount of time uh focusing on that we'll see i mean dallas has something to play for with philly losing yesterday they still could actually catch the eagles which you know we'll, we'll see yeah. if that happens um i'm curious to see if one of those two games gets flexed to the night game but uh you know what i, I you know it, it's interesting to see that you know philly hasn't clinched number one the first seed they haven't clinched the division yeah, exactly. And I, I I believe in staff picks. I made Philly my best bet this past weekend. I thought they were in a fantastic spot too. against a basically dead-in-the-water Saints team, and Gardner Minshew looked awful 
awful Terrible. in that game. So I, I think Philly is certainly lucky that Jalen Hurts uh, is on track to return next week. And I, again, I think if you're Philly, you know, you would hoped that week 18, you could take it easy. Maybe you get Hurts some reps just to kind of get his rhythm back. You cruise into the bye. And that's not the case anymore. I mean, this, this becomes a, a close to a must-win game for Philly with how valuable the one seed is. Luckily, you get the New York Giants. They're not really playing for much here. They are locked in as the six, I believe. Um, so you, maybe you see a diminished version of the Giants. So Philly should be in good shape, but uh, somewhat of an alarming performance, even with a backup quarterback by the Philadelphia Eagles. In, in terms of those games being flexed, I, I, would they want to keep them at the same time? You know, Philly Giants yeah. and Dallas, I, I think they have the Commanders. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the eliminated commanders, by the way, yes. uh, as Ron Rivera found out after <laughs> after the fact. But tough uh, way to find out. Oh my gosh, that went viral quick, and it's so funny. Grant Paulson's the one that asked to uh, hit the question mm -hmm. of him. I, I got to know Grant a little bit way back when we started the XM started the MLB home plate before they the serious XM merger. Uh, now Grant's big time. He probably doesn't remember me, but he used to do minors and majors and he used to do like, uh, he used to be a prospect guy for baseball. Now he's asking Ron Rivera questions that go viral, but it's pretty funny. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it and yeah, I, I, I think, I, I don't know if that, that press conference has really had that much heft on whether Ron Rivera should keep his job, but oh my goodness. Uh, just the whole Carson Wentz decision. Uh, let's start Carson Wentz. Why not? That could not have gone worse. Uh, I mean, right away, it, it was just, again, and it's hard to say. Like, maybe Heineke comes out and does the same thing. Um, but for, for this decision to be made, we, we talked about it last week. You know, it's close to unprecedented. You know, I, I guess unless you want to throw the Titans in that basket of, you know, making a quarterback change at this point in the season unrelated to injury, you got to be confident. It's a swing, you know, and you bench the guy who essentially saved your season when you were one and six, and you go back to Carson Wentz, and he starts this game with a pick. You go out on downs on your next possession and then another pick. And yet Washington, after a 21 play drive to end the first half is still leading this game seven to three. I, I didn't really think Cleveland played all that well. Uh, they did put their foot on the gas a bit in the third quarter. But to me, this was more about Washington outside of that one long drive, just not being able to move the ball. I mean, turnovers aside, Carson Wentz, 143 yards through the air and Brian Robinson, 87 yards total on the ground. That's fine, but took 24 carries to get there. So uh, well, we haven't had a lot of praise for this Cleveland Browns team, especially since Deshaun Watson came back. But um, especially from a Packers perspective, this was a, a huge, huge win for Cleveland. It was. It was. I did not see this one coming. This is another one no, where I got aggressive. Not at all. Wrong. Um, but then again, I should have maybe seen it because of the quarterback change. I mean, just, you know, the commanders were in the driver's seat. They were in a commanding position, so to speak. Uh, yes, that was so bad. I know. And I, I'm not. Yeah, not, again, not you had to. You had to. Yeah. Had to go for it there. Uh, just such a, a weird a decision, such a weird spot. I, I understand Heineke is not great. Uh, I understand there's legit criticisms about him, but we did see the Carson Wentz show beforehand. We saw why they, they took their time in bringing him back, why they said that Heineke would still be the starter when he came back. Uh, yeah, uh, well, they're out now. They went from being the, the, the odds-on favorite to win the seven seed to – being out um so so be it there and part of that is because heineke played poorly against the giants on that sunday night game um i get it exactly exactly he, he you know he it was kind of the spiritual leader it felt like of washington getting the season turned around but at the same time you weren't looking at those games and saying like man taylor heineke is willing this team to victory like a, a lot of mistakes were being made they, they were winning close games the defense and the running game were really what was carrying 
Washington. So, yeah, again, it's not like a completely indefensible move to go to Carson Wentz, but it, it just felt like a, a shakeup for the sake of, of making a change. And I, I think they just didn't really have quite enough rationale, I guess, to, to justify that, especially I think when you – I mean, it's obvious, even from our perspective, how much this team, I think, enjoyed rallying around Taylor Heineke. And it, it feels like no matter yeah. where Carson Wentz is, whether it's in Washington or Indy or Philly, he's had kind of the opposite effect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, uh, you know, and although, you know what, before he got hurt in Philly, he was an MVP candidate. Um, he, was. he was legit. Uh, he had a good, he was having a good year, got hurt and his life has changed for the, you know, and same with Nick Foles, who we'll, we'll get to in a bit too, but, uh, yeah, just, just wild stuff there. So, uh, yeah, going back to Tennessee and Cowboys, anything else from that uh, game that you had to take away from, uh, no Tony Pollard. Uh, we'll yep. see if he comes back this week, but you know, Zeke didn't run all that well. He got his touchdown, but it, you know, Titans are still a tough team to run against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Titans really stepped up. I think defensively played much better than expected. Um, yeah, I was on the radio with Allen for the first half of that game and we were kind of discussing how so often it feels like when there's a game where you know coming in, you're like, how are the Titans going to compete? This could, this could be 30 to nothing at the half. And it just went completely opposite. You know, you could tell from the first drive, I think Dallas had a quick three and out and you're like, okay, Tennessee is not going to roll over here. And you know, I, I think whether this qualifies as a true takeaway or not, we, we could quibble about that, but Dak Prescott, man, turnovers every single week. I mean, this is what six straight weeks uh, with, with at least one turnover. You know, he lost a fumble. He threw two picks. He's got multiple interceptions four times in the last six games. You could get away with it against Tennessee. Uh, you, you can get away with it against teams like Houston and Indianapolis you're not going to be able to get away with that against a formidable opponent in the playoffs. So uh, something to keep an eye on is the, the ball security for Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense. Yeah. So if the seeds hold, the Cowboys would pro- would play the Bucks, who clinched yesterday with that win over the Panthers. You know, I was feeling pretty good about my predictive powers, thinking that Carolina was a, a good bet to, to not just uh, cover, but outright win in Tampa. Oh, Tampa never throws deep, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Mike Evans comes alive. And, you know, speaking of things that I can blame, I, in the stake league, I was going up against Scott Jenstead, who had Tom Brady going. Um, that oh, was yeah. fun to go against. Uh, showed something that he hadn't shown all year, seemingly all year, Nick. Where did this come from? You know, it's funny because we, we, we talked last week about, you know, man, like how different that, that first Carolina-Tampa Bay game would have been if Mike Evans had been able to reel in that, that long pass early in the game. He had two of those in this game, yeah. like almost the exact same play. I mean, C.J. Henderson, my goodness, ex-Jag, one of the worst top 10 picks ever. He was a massive liability throughout this entire game, essentially cost Carolina the game, uh, giving up two of those touchdowns to Mike Evans, just let him run right by him, didn't even really run a route. It was just kind of a straight line. Um, yeah, I can tell you I was on the wrong end of this too. I mean, I... I I've talked about my my much ballyhooed Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin team uh, that was in first place. Uh, of course, lost in the the first round of the playoffs, but uh, you know, put up 161 <laughs> in a completely meaningless like sixth place game uh, in that league. So that was nice to see. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think Tampa Bay played all that differently than it, than it normally does. I, I think you know they were just a little more willing, I guess, to take those shots. You know, I, I think better teams with better cornerbacks. Uh, those aren't there, uh, but it's not like Tampa Bay ran the ball effectively in this game. They were 25 for 67. So they did run into a lot of the same issues they've had all season. And there were multiple times in this game where it looked like Carolina was in control. And if they could just get one stop, they were going to win this game. And of course they couldn't get it. Uh, but honestly, I, I think the injury to JC Horn, like Carolina not having JC Horn 
may have cost them their season in this game. I, I agree. Uh, it was it was massive. The Darnold, uh, Sam Darnold's fumble was huge. Oh, uh, that was so bad. That 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 was that was a big turnaround in that game. I mean, they they're still ahead at that point, and then they you know that that ended the. I mean that 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 really changed the momentum big time there. I mean, but oh Brady, I went up Tom Brady. I mean, I had him below. I, this is how bad it was. Thing is, is it was a bad week for me both professionally and personally. Like I lost these championship games, but I also I had Brady below Gardner Minshew below Teddy Bridgewater. Ugh. I mean, yeah. someone old takes exposed me for an answering somebody's question. Like a random third party came in and, and tagged old takes exposed. I mean, <laughs> ser- seriously, this happened. Um, person, I don't know where this person came from either. I guess he was like seeking out people that defame Tom Brady or something. Cause yeah. I don't know. The guy doesn't even follow me. Just like, okay, you're rude. Uh, but whatever. I mean, I'm wrong. Clearly I was wrong. I'll own it. That's fine. But you have no agency in this. You're, you're like some random third party here. But anyways, uh, you know, this is why ranking qu- players and helping out and start sit, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's annoying to go through this. But, hey, I got it wrong. 432 and a rushing touchdown, too, to boot. That, that was a nice little cherry on top there. So uh, I'm going to lose my stake league battle where I had Dalton Schultz and uh, Kevin Byard on, on Thursday night. I'm like two interceptions from my safety. Oh, yeah. Two touchdowns from a tight end. Let's go. And then, no, I got I got ruined. Um, and I yeah, actually put up a decent the, number. Yeah, ironically, the host of the Let's Go podcast uh, ends yeah. up sinking you here. I mean, yeah. 432 from Tom Brady. How could you not see this coming, Jeff? You, you should have known that finally this offense would click out of nowhere uh, against Carolina. I mean, it, it is classic Tampa Bay, though, right? I mean, we, we you just kind of felt like this was inevitable. I talked all week about how much I want Carolina to win this game. And yet when it came time to picking the game, I was like, I just, I don't know if I can do it. It's like, you just feel like Tampa Bay, they don't deserve it. <laughs> they might not even be the better team, but that's just kind of how it's gone for Tom Brady, his entire career. And now here we are yet again uh, with Tampa Bay in the field. And, you know, Dallas is going to be favored in that game. It will be at Tampa Bay, but look, I, I just think Dallas is not, uh, you know, not really proven anything, not really, they don't really get the benefit of the doubt at this point. Like there, I, I think there's, there's going to be a mounting case as we get, to that first round matchup of, well, could Tampa Bay maybe pull this off? Or is that offense starting to click at the right time? Like we know that storyline is coming. I don't know if I'm ready to buy in on it. I, I, I just don't think I can. Uh, but nonetheless, RIP to the Carolina Panthers. A, one of the fun, bad teams in the NFL this year. Yeah. DJ Moore doing what we expected from him all year. Finally, Mike Evans doing what he expect, expected. from You know, if we could see this Tampa Bay more often. Yeah. I, I, I'd be, I'm looking forward to seeing them play the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I like, yes, let's, let, I, I'd be into this, but uh, yeah, you know, I, we'll see. I, I think this is going to cost Steve Wilkes a chance to uh, get the full-time gig. Uh, even though I think he piloted them pretty well after, uh, after they fired Matt rule. But I know there was some talk like, you know, he he's making the case, the team's behind him and all that. Uh, but he kind of needs to win. And I don't, I, I think this pretty much cements that away, but because keep in mind, yes, he looked good, but, or the team looked better, but in the worst division in football. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, one last note, by the way, on Tom Brady, more touchdowns in the fourth quarter this season than the other three quarters combined, which totally checks out. If you watch the Bucks. it feels like right. he's good for yeah. at least one every fourth quarter and they do nothing uh, the rest of the game. But yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Godwin did his usual thing, you know, just kind of 
chunk plays here and there, you know, always feels like he's catching these contested slants and like taking five hits. And yet he always hangs on, um, you know, found his way into 120 yards on nine catches and DJ Moore, I mean, had an unbelievable contested catch uh, in the second half of this game. I think he's, it's kind of felt like a down year for him. Like he, he really suffered with the quarterback issues the first half of the season, but he has reminded us over the second half, you know, that he is a true number one receiver. Sam Darnold, 23 of 37, 341, three touchdowns, one pick, the two sacks, and then, of course, the killer fumble. Uh, let me ask you, or two fumbles lost, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. Did he, has he done enough to make of a case to assert himself as the starter for the Panthers next year? I think he is the current starter, and I think the Panthers will look hard at other options. I think if it's Sam Darnold next year, you don't feel great about it, but it's not disastrous. You know, this is not quite a Zach Wilson situation where you're saying, like, I don't think we can win any games with this guy at quarterback. With Darnold, I think, yeah, he's, he's certainly proven that he he has a higher floor, I think, than, than he showed at times last year. Uh, you know, coming into the season, there were questions as to whether we would see Darnold at any point. Um, so I, I think he's... All in all, it feels like kind of a, a plus season for Darnold, and that's not saying a whole lot. Uh, but I, I think Carolina is one of those teams that, depending on how the draft shakes out, they'll, they'll take a look there. Uh, you know, I think they could be in, in the Derek Carr type of market. They could be in the Jimmy G type of market. So I, I don't think I don't think Darnold has shown enough that that the Panthers are out of that type of consideration. I, I think they are still in upgrade mode, but I think it's Darnold indefinitely. Uh, if that makes yeah. sense. And uh, the second fumble, by the way, not necessarily his fault. I mean, it was a, a sack fumble where the Panthers yeah. left tackle. The rookie just got completely beat. Darnold really didn't have a chance. I mean, the, the guy was on him within like two seconds. So I agree. It goes down as a turnover nonetheless, but uh, that was more, I, I thought more on the tackle than on Darnold. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree with that there. Uh, sticking in the division, Saints upset the Eagles. We alluded to this a little bit more. Getting Marshawn Lattimore back, huge for the Saints. Nonetheless, they're still knocked out because the Bucs won. Uh, but for two minutes, they, that game ended two minutes before Carolina-Tampa uh, Bay did, at least in two minutes of game time. Uh, they were still alive for a little bit. They, say, they, they, they kept themselves alive. The Saints are kind of a what-could-have-been sort of season. I still think, you know, I, 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 wa- I want to see what would have happened if Jameis was there instead of uh, Andy Dalton. I, I really – I you know, I understand – I thought maybe even at the time it made sense, but the more Andy Dalton played, the more I'm like, why isn't Jameis in there? Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was a time in the middle of the season when I, I actually felt like Andy Dalton was giving them something. They had that big win over Seattle where they put up almost 40, and you're thinking, okay, the, the offense actually looks pretty decent under Andy Dalton. But, you know, pretty much a, a, after that game, immediately it was just kind of a slow decline. And, you know, they very quietly won three games in a row here. And if, if they had just finished off that Buccaneers game, that, that, of course, they – Either of know, them. There was yeah. a comedy of errors, right, either Buccaneers game, but the more recent game where, you know, Mark Ingram goes down and bounds. If they don't have, like, seven terrible coaching decisions in the second half, uh, they, they win that game relatively easily, we'd be talking about, you know, a, a potential playoff team here. So, like you said, it does go down as a what-if season, kind of a – kind of just a lost season in general, right? It's like you didn't really make any progress as far as who is the future quarterback of your franchise. You know, guys like Michael Thomas, you know, look good early in the season, didn't play, like still really no solution as to whether he's a part of your future. Uh, I, I think the one plus is Chris Olave looks legit and Alvin Kamara stayed healthy, but now you go into next year wondering about a potential suspension. So yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like an incomplete for me. Like I, I don't really know what to even think about the saints heading into next season. They're, they're one of those teams that is just permanently uh, in that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agreed. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to still play around the whole Taysom Hill thing. And, you know, that did work at times. 
Uh, yeah. You know, yesterday he, he was an effective runner, 14 for 46, with the rushing touchdown, grinded out a number of first downs through two passes. I mean, it's funny. They got 13 points in the first half. No offensive scores in the second half at all. Andy Dalton got sacked six times, Taysom Hill another. I mean, th- this offense really ground to a halt in the second half, but the defense really stood up. This is the thing. The defense mm-hmm. sacked Minshew six times in their own right. Minshew threw a pick. You know, the, the Eagles, I mean, the, the play calling was probably pretty bad. Only two running plays in the entire first half. Uh, yeah. I, you know, all that Gardner Minshew love, I think we can, you know, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And there, There's no, none of that talk anymore. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I saw some chatter yesterday of like, did Gardner Minshew play his way out of potentially starting for someone else next season, which mm-hmm. I don't know if I go that far. I think there are still some teams like perhaps Carolina uh, that maybe, maybe we'll sniff around on Minshew. I, I certainly don't think he's guaranteed to start anywhere next season, but um, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to continue to be in demand. Weird interception at the end of this game. Uh, looked like he was targeting AJ Brown on on a slant type of route, and you know, I mean, Lattimore was sitting right on it, picked it off, short pick six. Uh, but AJ Brown like didn't really complete the route. I, I don't know if there was some sort of miscommunication there, or if Minshew had just predetermined that he was throwing it to AJ Brown. But that was that was the capper on just an ugly afternoon for Philly, and we've seen this now. I mean, they've only lost three games, and two of them have come in the last two weeks with a backup quarterback, but. In situations where they feel like the, the offense isn't quite clicking, they do tend to press a little bit. You know, they, they do tend to force the issue, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of try to get it all back in one play, that type of feeling. And you mentioned, I mean, the lack of rushing attempts, like that is what the Eagles do well, is move the ball on the ground. And, you know, removing Jalen Hurts changes that, but it shouldn't change it to this degree. I mean, 67 total rushing yards in this game. Completely got away from Sanders. Completely got away from Boston Scott. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell didn't have a single carry in this game, so... Um, you know, it's not really a panic type of situation for Philly. I, I think they're still in a good spot to get one and take care of business next week. But like we said at the top, they didn't want it to come to this. Yeah. Gainwell had one carry. Got called okay. touchdown. I, I didn't see called that. back on a holding penalty. Uh, and then we yeah. never saw him again. It was yep. crazy. Um, that, you know, oh, we're done with you. Okay. Good job. Have a nice day. Uh, he had two, two catches on two targets also, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was, uh, and they had to settle for a field goal in that sequence too. So, uh, yeah, it just, it was, it, you're right though, about, uh, the, the just the, the, the pressing part. Absolutely right about that. Now, you know, they should kill the commanders commanders who knows what, who's going to be their quarterback could be, you know, Sam Allen, who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, and there's a lot, you know, Hertz should be back, you know, and we'll see about his health. Maybe he shouldn't be. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, you well, know, that's, uh, before we move on, that's that's an interesting question. Like, let's say Hertz is, you know, he's basically 100 percent, but you're maybe a little concerned. Like, are you comfortable starting Gardner Minshew against the Giants next week? Or do you feel like Hertz has oh, to be the out Giants. there Sorry. To, to seal that one seed? Yeah, I don't know. Why. Oh, it's Dallas against the Commanders. My bad. I got that wrong. Yep. Uh, good question. Um, so the thing is, I mean, if it's less than hundred percent hurts, well, I don't know. I mean, that one seat's pretty yeah. darn important because you know, Dallas is going to win exactly. you know, or, or you got a pretty good feeling that Dallas is going to win. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a good call. I mean, I mean, it's a good question. <sighs> Giants. The, I, I saw Dable say he's not going to rest anybody. Um, I'll believe that when I see it, but you know, you know, can, can the, cause yeah, because the Giants can't catch the Cowboys, can they? No, they can't. The, the Giants are at this point uh, officially locked in as the six. I mean, no matter yeah. what team gets in, whether it's Green Bay, Detroit, or Seattle, that team's going to be nine and eight. The Giants are nine and six. So worst case, they're nine and seven. So yeah, they are. They are officially the six. 
Okay. So Dable says they're not going to sit anybody, but I'd be surprised if that. they play the whole game. I don't buy it. Um, but then again, you don't want to get just destroyed again by the Eagles like they did earlier this year. I don't know. It, it, it's an it's an interesting call. Uh, and you, you're not. This is the Minshew experience. You're you're familiar with this. He can look brilliant at times and look terrible at other times. This is the same thing that he did in Jacksonville. It really is. It really is. He's a, a super, super fun player to watch. I mean, ultimately, he's probably closer to Taylor Heineke uh, than mm-hmm. I'd like to admit. Um, you know, get very similar type of moxie, same type of attitude. I, I think he's a week to week. I, I think he has a higher floor and maybe an even a higher ceiling than Taylor Heineke. But yeah, it's one of those situations where I think everybody loves Gardner Minshew. But then when it says like, you know, if you were asked, like, do you want this guy to be your permanent starting quarterback? Uh, then then it starts to get a little iffy. I think he's a fun guy to have on the roster. He's a fun guy to plug in every now and then but it, it to me it's it's kind of hard to to see a team truly committing to him going forward but this was a big opportunity it really was i think both he and mike white for the jets i mean both of those guys i think are, are kind of in similar situations potentially playing you know for Minshew, looking at other teams white you know kind of an audition for next season with the jets and neither of those guys played well yeah uh, agreed 100 percent agreed um before we move out of the nfc east East and South and move into the North. A quick note from our friends at the uh, No House Advantage, who has been sponsoring our football podcast all year. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today, playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fancy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right, Nick, let's get on to other happy talk for you. Talk a little Packers Vikings, huge, huge win for the the Packers. Uh, You know, and this was like a squash the entire game. The the Vikings at the block punt had to settle for a field goal with a terrible red zone sequence. Just terrible. That set the tone for the day. Settled for the two yard field goal Um, or kick when they, when the ball's at the two yard line, just a terrible red zone plays. And then give up the return, the, the, the subsequent kickoff for a touchdown right after that. And it just felt like, okay, here we go. It really did. It really did. I mean, this game got away from Minnesota immediately. And, you know, it, it, like around halftime when, of course, you know, it, this is just one of those games. Like once a year, Green Bay has a game where it just feels like everything goes their way. And Mason Crosby doinking in a 56-yarder just before half was kind of the, the, the final cherry on top for a game that yeah. felt like it was over after the first two quarters. And yeah, I, I mean, by halftime, I was texting with some friends saying like, this doesn't even feel like the same game where, you know, 45 minutes ago in real time, the Packers had this horrible fourth and one where they did their typical yes. uh, you know, deep, deep shot on fourth and one Rogers ends up taking a, a sack. And, you know, that was just a couple of possessions after the block punt. And it's like, those feel like completely different games. Like how, how was Green Bay up 27 to three when you go out on downs with a 15 yard sack and you have a punt blocked at your one yard line. And yet at one point they led this game 41 to three. So it was even more of a blowout than that final score would indicate. I mean, if you were on Twitter at all, you, you, uh, there were a lot of people doing the live uh, point differential for Minnesota, which is just, I mean, at one point they were in their four losses this year. They're like minus 85 
which is just insane. Uh, like the Saints have a way better point differential than the Vikings on the year. Uh, the list goes on. But look, I did not see this coming. I, I We'll talk about it on the XM show tonight, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I, I got to eat crow here. I thought Green Bay uh, was much more of a fraudulent team. I, I thought this was the situation where maybe they get knocked back down to earth. I was all over Justin Jefferson over 95 and a half yards oh. on prize picks. And that was a disaster. I look, you know, I, I criticized Jair Alexander for calling out Justin Jefferson. I'm like, don't poke the bear. Why do we need to do this? But boy, did he back it up, man. I, I, I just did not see any of this performance coming. I mean, the Green Bay defense just creating turnovers all day, forced to fumble at three picks from Kirk Cousins. I mean, we talked about Keyshawn Nixon, how big of a deal is he is to this team. What a weapon he's become. He was banged yeah. up coming into this game. I mean, it was it, it was just a, a thorough, thorough beatdown for the Packers. And now, I mean, how many times have we seen this for Minnesota? All four of their losses have been definitive, you know, just really, I, I mean, beatdowns, right? I mean, this was just as bad as the Dallas game. Yeah, horrible game for them. I mean, and it was weird. They kept Cousins in but took Jefferson out. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. guys. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you on that one there. Um, yeah. That's when I knew I was dead. Just D-E-D, dead. Yes, I know. That's a purposeful misspelling. It's the thing I do. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was just horrible, 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 horrible game. And just miserable uh, there. A um, couple other things. Yeah, they did do the 16-yard sack on the horrible fourth and one play, and it didn't even matter. Uh, they learned. In game one, they didn't shadow Jefferson. Alexander just took a side. This game, he did shadow Jefferson, and that made a big difference. I don't think the Vikings were prepared for that. Um and, and they had, they bracketed him too. There were two guys yeah. on him many, many times. Yeah. I, I mean, can't say enough good things about Jair Alexander. Uh, again, I mean, if you told me who do you think is going to win that battle, I, I would take Jefferson and, and it, yeah. it just didn't happen. It, it didn't. And, you know, Green Bay did a good job. Uh, I think pressuring Kirk Cousins, he was only sacked twice, but just never, never looked comfortable. I mean, all three interceptions were pretty ugly, kind of forced type of throws. Um, you know, we, we ended up seeing some Nick Mullins action late in this game. He tacked on a touchdown, but yeah, this was just a, a thorough beatdown. I, I think if you if you told Minnesota, like, hey, Aaron Rodgers is going to complete 15 passes for 159 yards and one touchdown, and the game is going to end with Jordan Love in at quarterback, you would say, yeah, I'll take that. I, I think we probably won by 20 points, you know? And yeah. I, I just, it was, yeah, it was, the, it was the defense for Green Bay. I mean, they ran the ball well, but it didn't, it just didn't really feel like anything the Packers did on offense mattered. Like the, the kick return and the defensive touchdown, I mean, that was basically enough to win the game and everything felt like gravy after that yeah exactly the third quarter okay let's get some hope we got jefferson a catch all right let's go misses a field goal and then the packers take this long 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 drive to eat up the rest of the third quarter like okay so it's over there's not gonna they kept on saying well this isn't gonna be a 33 point comeback yes yes we know this thank you um as as if that was like oh well they've done it once before i just think about that with their vikings point differential the, it is what it is, in, includes a 33-point comeback. Right. I mean, <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, of all the games for them to win, yeah, the one where they're down 33. Uh, by the way, the, the other play that I think really ended up sealing this game, and it, and it did lead to uh, the, the A.J. Dillon rushing touchdown, was the cousin strip sack by Kenny Clark. And that was oh. that was coming out of the half. Green Bay had just punted, and you're thinking, you know, you're up 24 points. So you're, you're not really worried at that point, but you're like, okay, I mean, if Minnesota – if they cut it to 27-10, you know, maybe get another stop, all of a sudden this could get a little bit uncomfortable. And the Vikings were putting together a really nice drive uh, that they had like four first downs in a row on some long completions. And, you know, they're down at the 15-yard line. I mean, it did feel like they were going to get at the very least a field goal. 
and in comes Kenny Clark for a strip sack. And at that point, the game was basically over. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the big game is going to be Green Bay hosting Detroit this week. Now, mm-hmm. Detroit, you know, speaking about improbable, both Green Bay and Detroit had their improbable stretches there where they they pulled, you know, they, they came in, you know, just crushed uh, just after huge, huge, digging themselves out of a huge hole. The funny thing is, even though Green Bay has got a worse record right now, it's currently the ninth. I think they're currently in ninth place in the NFC. Of the seven, eight, nine teams, they're the only one that controls their own destiny. If Green Bay wins, they're in. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's going to end up affecting potentially what time slot this game gets. You know, there's there's a lot of momentum for, you know, Green Bay Packers, Sunday night football. I could see that. That's definitely a possibility. We'll find out later today. But I, I think historically, the NFL tries to line up these games, right? So you, you would want Detroit and Green Bay playing at the same time as Ram Seahawks because right. – Let's say let's say you give Green Bay Detroit the night game and Seattle plays in the in the afternoon window. If Seattle wins, Detroit has no chance to make the playoffs, no matter right, what. So, head head. Yep. Right. So that affects motivation. So I, I I'm I'm skeptical that they put Green Bay in the night window. I mean, maybe the NFL says, screw it, the Packers are a big enough draw, you know, winning in that that's a big enough um, scenario for us to to put them on Sunday night. I don't know. But my guess is that they'll want to line up those two games. Uh, because like you said, Green Bay is somehow the only team that doesn't need help. Uh, do you have a guess on the line for Packers Lions? By the way, I don't know if you've checked yet. I have not checked, so let's do guess the lines. Um, first of all, I I will say, speaking of motivation, it's a Dan Campbell. I don't think motivation is going to be a problem. He seems like the type <laughs> of coach that's going to have him fired up regardless. Uh, I will say Packers minus three and a half with a total okay. of forty-seven. Total is 48 and a half across the board. And the line is Packers four and a half. Okay. I can see it. I can see yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it was at, it was at three. The look ahead was at three yesterday afternoon and it jumped from three to four and a half after yesterday's results, which says a lot because the lions look great playing against the yeah. bears. Yeah, they did. Uh, the lions are a different animal at home than they are on the road. Uh, I, I think you saw two weeks ago what happened in Carolina. So I think, you could see that as the pathway to them being a bigger underdog. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let, let's talk uh, lions and bears bears first quarter. This is looking like this is going to be a very frisky game. Justin Fields has a hundred yards rushing in the first quarter. They're moving the ball at will I'm like, okay, this is going to be a shootout. This is going to be awesome. No, the lions destroyed the bears after that, just killed them. And the bears, I mean, Justin Fields is a good story, but he shows there's still a lot of mistakes still in his game. And of course the defense is just tragic right now. Yeah. I mean, this was, that, that was my main takeaway is like, I, I think week to week, we sometimes forget just how bad this Bears defense could be because Justin Fields is so much fun. I mean, first drive of the game, Justin Fields is, you know, lead, leads Chicago down nine plays, 75 yard touchdown. Um, yeah. you know, had another long run in this game, a 60 yarder. He goes 10 for 132 on the ground. Uh, I mean, this was a, a a 10-7 game in favor of the Chicago Bears late in the first quarter. And from then on, I mean, a 34-0 run by Detroit to close out this game. Um, yeah, I mean, Detroit, obviously, like you said, different animal at home. Uh, you know, Didn't play all that well when they got Green Bay at home earlier this year. Lions won that game. It was ugly. That one, to me, felt like Green Bay just completely threw it away. Uh, so I think that is baked into the line as well. But, I mean, you couldn't really ask for a better outcome for this Detroit offense to, to build some right. momentum heading into this gigantic Week 18 matchup between Jamal Williams looked awesome. He basically sealed up the rushing touchdown title. He was 150 to one, Jeff, before the season to lead the NFL in touchdowns. 
Uh, so that is wow. very likely to be the case. Uh, DeAndre Swift looked fantastic in this game as well. He goes 11 for 78 and a touchdown, four for 39 through the air with a touchdown as well. And on the Chicago side, it was just <laughs> Fields and everybody else. But I mean, throwing the ball, my goodness, seven of 21 was Fields in this game for 75 yards. So, uh, you know, uh, kind of QB one of those reminder games. 18.8. I mean, just, ugh. ugh. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say. Seven of 21 for 75 yards. You, you can be great on the ground. You can't be that bad through the year. You, you cannot expect to, uh, you know, compete in games, let alone win any games when your quarterback is seven of 21. Yeah. Khalil, I mean, uh, Khalil Herbert was a little bit more involved. Chase Claypool threw a temper tantrum in this game. I mean, it was just everything went wrong. Uh, just so many bad things that went wrong, uh, that happened this game uh on the bear side of things obviously uh jamison williams even had a run for 40 yards he didn't do anything in the air uh detroit tight ends remain a story do you see this stat that since the hawkinson trade detroit tight ends have had like 12 touchdowns 12 yeah well who was it uh a couple weeks ago uh who had was it zilstra that had three yes uh and then brock wright had two yesterday i mean and that's the thing is none of these tight end touchdowns have been rostered like almost none of them. I mean, maybe like in a two tight end league, someone had Brock Wright again, uh, either yesterday or again, that game against the Giants or against the Jets, maybe. Uh, but unlikely, unlikely. Just yeah. Just well, wild. and meanwhile, Amon Ross St. Brown four straight games without a touchdown at, at oh, the worst possible time. It. So yeah, I mean, oh. it's been great for Jared Goff, but that's it. I used uh, Amon Ra in uh, DFS, but you know he's got a score to justify the price that he's getting now on DraftKings. Uh, and he only had five targets, too. He used to be a target monster, but this game was such a blowout, and they were running the ball at ease, with such ease. Yep. That that killed us. I, mean, I, I thought that you know the Bears would be a pass funnel, and they probably could have been if they needed to, but they didn't need to. They just handed off. Jamal Williams was averaging six and a half yards a carry. Swift was averaging seven yards a carry. Uh, Swift was awesome in this game. You're like, where, where is this all year? Uh, it's just, they weren't using him in so many cases. I know he was banged up for a while, but some of that is just the usage patterns were just bizarro too. Yeah. This was the first game in a while where I I think like physically he really jumped off the screen and you're thinking, Mm -hmm. wow, like he looks, he looks really dynamic. He looks really healthy. So I think that's a great sign for Detroit heading into next week, still only 25 snaps in this game. But I I think a lot of that was, uh, you know, just the game flow and then how out of hand this became, but even in the fourth quarter, like Jamal Williams still ripped. He had like a 60 yard run in the fourth quarter when it was very clear that they were just running the ball every single play to run out the clock and the bears still couldn't stop him in that scenario. So, uh, you know, again, encouraging offensive performance for Detroit. I think this is exactly what you wanted to happen, you know, going into week 18, but at the same time, I mean, you're going up against a, a much, much better Packers defense, which as you know, I'm skeptical of the Packers defense. I don't even think they're a good defense, but it's just, it speaks to how bad Chicago is. I mean, this is probably the worst defense in the league right now. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Minnesota. I'm curious to see if Minnesota plays all their starters. Well, I guess they will because they can still get the two seed if the Niners somehow lose. They're not going to lose Arizona, but um, if, I mean, the rate, they almost lost to the Raiders. So you never know. So, but you know, Getting the two seeds important. You don't want to. You don't want to have to travel to San Francisco. So I, I think they'll they'll play all their starters. Jefferson's going to go for like two fifty just to tick me off. Uh, but so it goes. So it goes. Uh, all of our podcasts are brought to you by the uh, Blue Wire Network. Here's a couple of our ads. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's talk NFC West. Let's talk about the Niners and Raiders. What a game. What an you know, unexpected great game i mean i totally thought this was gonna be a smash you know i would have taken the niners to cover even before the car news i was happy that like i was able to lock in this you know lock in my pick before the line moved and then you know i guess i'm gonna have to answer stardom or stidham questions next week but uh you know the the they, the Raiders had a lot of fight in them. They looked great. Uh, I don't think they're, I think the Niners were a little surprised, maybe, maybe even looking ahead a little bit because of all the things that are happening in Vegas this past week. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I was completely wrong about this one. This, this one in the Green Bay game were my, my two just huge misses in week 17. I mean, I, I had said to Alan that I thought if there was one team out there who I just don't really trust to show up when it feels like everything's going wrong and I could just see a complete laydown, it would be the Raiders. And yep. we got the opposite of that. Uh, you know, the, the Raiders, this was, this was maybe as good as they've looked uh, as a complete team in a while, especially given the opponent. Um, you know, credit to San Francisco for, for not wilting. Uh, I think there are a lot of teams that, you know, even good teams in the NFL, can kind of find ways to lose games. You know, it, we, we've kind of talked about San Francisco just – in some ways is being due for a loss. I mean, they have not lost since that chiefs game in the middle of the season. So it's not crazy to get tripped up regardless of the opponent. We've seen it with all the other good teams in the league, uh, but they, yeah. they once again, find a way. And I mean, they've now scored 30 plus in five of the last seven games. I mean, this offense just continues to roll week yeah. after week after week, put up 37 last week, uh, again, against the commanders. They had 35 on Tampa, 33 on Miami. Um, so even with Brock Purdy, you know, looking a little bit shakier than he has the last couple of weeks, I still come out of this, you know, kind of, if you're a Niners fan, it's like, yeah, you, you wish it was a blowout, but at the same time, I think, you know, your team showed some resolve. And if you're not going to drop a game, they're probably going to enter the playoffs on a 10 game winning streak. You know, I, I think this was kind of closest thing maybe that they'll have to a true test before you get into the postseason. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, hypothetical question. Jimmy G come uh, by the start of the playoffs is fully healthy. Do you return to him or do you go with Brock Purdy? Oh boy. That's a good, uh, I think I'd stick with Purdy. I think I would. I, I, I think there's just, he hasn't really given you any reason not to. I, I think with Garoppolo, he's earned that. 
um, I, I guess the question is like, do you want that hanging over your team week after week? Because let's say you start Purdy and you pull off a narrow victory in the wild card round. You know, th- those questions are still going to be there. So I feel like if you're going to go to Garoppolo, either have to do it right away or not do it at all. Um, to me, I would, I would roll with Purdy though. I, I really would. I mean, we'll, we'll see what, what is the latest update on Garoppolo? Is, is this a potential option? I, there was some talk that he was going to get the cast off and then he was going to be in a walking boot and the, and they were going to get the walking boot off sometime between these games, I think. Uh, then yeah. they test, test their progress then after that. Um, Purdy actually kind of looked exposed a little bit in the second half against the Raiders. He threw that interception that was an underthrown ball where he saw Kittle break open late. They ran this play and he didn't get the ball far enough or out soon enough and it got picked off. And he had a couple other bad throws in that sequence. Raiders actually had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter uh, before the Niners uh, roared back. Um, I know I, I don't know. It, it was one of those where I was like, yeah, you know, I could see, like, you know, he's starting to be exposed maybe just a little bit. I don't know, but we'll see. He also didn't get sacked still. I mean, he's still, yeah. you know, you know, he averaged eight yards per attempt. That's still pretty good. Not amazing, but pretty good. I, I, I like how he's unlocked Kittle. Ayuk had a huge game. Ayuk looked like the guy that was a first round pick. He he looked like yes. the part. He he looked very he looked practically unstoppable. Well, he and lately he's had a number of games where he's been running great routes. It's a question of having the you know he sometimes has a couple of drops here and there. He looked awesome and he looked great in the fourth quarter on that comeback. Um, yeah, I was looking forward to more overtime production from him and from Kittle. Uh, Kittle obviously looks pretty good. Uh, you don't. He only had four catches yesterday, but scored for the th- like the fourth week in a row. He, he's been, you know, yep. five touchdowns in the three fantasy playoff games. He continues to be the biggest beneficiary of the Debo Samuel injury. And it, it sounds like we could see Debo next week. We'll see, um, you know, obviously, that they're going to be closely monitoring what's going on in the Minnesota game, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the Philly game. Uh, San Francisco is still alive for the one at this point. Uh, Ayuk, I mean, like you said, I, I think he's been very quietly one of the most improved players in the league. This season, in all likelihood, going to top a thousand yards, uh, assuming he plays enough next week. Uh, so, best year of his career by far. Like you said, you, you kind of forget that he's a first round pick. He's just not really talked about in that context, but he's come along. He's been really huge for them this year. And uh, to me, though, I, I just I, I don't really have that many concerns about San Francisco's offense in this game. It's like, yes, they're there. It does feel like at some point, you know, that the Purdy thing uh, might catch up to the 49ers, just the inexperience. But to me, the far bigger issue is you allow Jared Stidham to throw for almost 370 yards and put up 34 points. You know, I, I think it was more of a letdown defensively than offensively to me. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, and Josh Jacobs got, went to, got to 69 yards. I think that's the first running back that's top 60 yards all year against them. No, he only averaged four yards a carry. Nick Bosa after the game said it, Jacobs is the best back he's ever played against. I, I saw um, that. I'm like, that can't where'd be that right. come from. Yeah, I mean, that's high praise, certainly. But uh, I assume Nick Bosa has played against, like, Adrian Peterson at some point, right? I guess maybe it was late career Adrian Peterson. But I, I thought that was a little bit of a, a hasty quote, especially after – it's not like Jacobs ran for 250 yards at this game. He played against Pete Todd Gurley. We know that. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I think he did. Although, And, and Bosa's missed a, n- a number of games every year, too. So maybe there's something there. But I don't know. You, It, it was interesting. Well, Jacobs is a free agent, you know, this offseason. Perhaps he's laying some groundwork for come to come join us. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's it, just throwing that out there as a possibility. Devonte Adams with that catch and the, the two minute drill was just the sickest thing I've seen this year. Um, he and Mike Williams were putting on a you know in separate games a show a contest of who could have the better catch. 
Yeah, Mike Williams, it feels like whenever he's healthy, he's good for one of those per game. Um, and Dante, I mean, this was a, a, a really interesting spot for Devontae. I mean, he's coming off of the two for 15 effort last mm-hmm. week against Pittsburgh. And you're thinking, okay, he's clearly upset about the car situation. It's like, you're going to start him in fantasy no matter what, of course, but I, you know, I wouldn't have had high expectations. So this was to me the absolute best case scenario for Devontae Adams, given that Jared Sidham was throwing him the ball. I mean, 11 targets, seven for 153, two more scores. I mean, he's putting together just a, another ridiculous year. I mean, last he's still got a game left. And the last three seasons, he has 18, 11, 14 touchdowns. He's been right around 1,400-plus yards in each of those seasons. He set the Raiders' single-season record for yards this past week. Um, you know, it's going to go down as a disappointing year for the Raiders. But just in terms of that trade, I mean, it, it's absolutely worked out for, for yeah. Las Vegas. It hasn't led to as many wins as they'd hoped. But everybody who thought Devontae Adams was just a product of Aaron Rodgers, uh, that is not the case. Yeah, and I I think that was proven pretty conclusively. And you could just see what happened to the Packers passing game this year, too, without him, too. You know, Mm -hmm. on both sides of that coin, you could see that being uh, the case that, you know, you know, you know, Rodgers may have helped make Adams Adams, but Adams is would have gotten there. uh, It seems like to me. Uh, We'll see what happens this offseason. The Raiders, uh, I think, you know, my friend Jeff Jeff Feinberg uh, on the Pat Mayo uh, Media Network, uh, he does the podcast with him, Pat Mayo and Timmy Anderson, and he has a theory like, you know, backup quarterbacks at first exposure, they can look pretty good. It's after that when the team gets more film on them, uh, it can be the case. So, like, yeah, it's the Mike White theory. You know, Mike White didn't look that great yesterday. You know, we're all like, oh, yes, Mike White's back. Yes. Well, maybe not. You know, Stidham, it could be the same thing. Same thing with Gardner Minshew. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think with, I mean, with Stidham, is there is there any chance that he's really playing for something as far as his future with this team, or do do you think they go shopping for a quarterback, whether it's on the open market, trade, draft? Um, like, is is there really anything at stake for him this coming week? Mm, I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's you know Stidham's first start. You know, we've heard the name like forever, right? Like kind of like. Oh yeah. Well, you're, you're recycling Stidham. No, he's never started. You know, all these times, you know, you know, with the Pats, there's, there's the threat of starting him is uh, during those Cam Newton years. It's like, Hey, they really love Stidham. And then yep. he'd play in relief every once in a while, but he never once started a game. Well, I mean, he's one of those guys that's, if you follow college football and recruiting, I mean, he was, he was a big time recruit. You've been hearing this name for, it feels like a decade at yep. this point. So yeah, he's one of those guys who it just felt like was always destined to get a shot. Like when you're, when you're super highly recruited coming out of high school, like those guys tend to linger around and yeah. finally it happened. I mean, again, this was basically the best case for him. I mean, through the interception and overtime, of course, uh, to, to kind of punctuate it, but still, I mean, 23 completions, 365 yards. I, I, w- I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, he's auditioning for a starting role next year. I, I don't think that's on the table, but nonetheless, I mean, if, if he plays well next week, I, I think teams are going to at least be, be sniffing around and, uh, they are home for the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the other Saturday game, by the way. Yeah. Chiefs Raiders in the afternoon window. I think he's auditioning to be the next Jacoby Brissett, to be the caretaker for the next person that's ascended. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's about. But hey, maybe you're underestimating him. Uh, the other NFC West game we got to talk about uh, is the Seahawks beating the Jets uh, convincingly the whole way through. I mean, they jumped on them early. Got the ten points in the first quarter, and you know the, the offense wasn't wasn't great. Kenneth Walker had that one big sixty yard run, but and Geno Smith threw for two touchdowns, but only threw for one hundred eighty three yards. But the defense just 
absolutely shut down the Seahawks. I mean, shut, shut down the Jets. It's not just a Zach Wilson problem. It turns out it's an offensive line problem. Turns out it's, you know, uh, you know, Mike White wasn't that great. In fact, he was outright bad yesterday. Two interceptions, no touchdowns, 5.2 yards per attempt. Got sacked four, four times. I think that offensive line is really awful. I think that's one of the big takeaways from the Jets season. Yeah, yeah I, we don't really talk about them missing Makai Becton, but I think that is a big deal for the Jets. Um, you know, this is a game that it felt like, you know, based on what I read and listened to this past week, it's like almost everybody was on the Jets here. And yeah. he's thinking like, you know, Seattle's too banged up. The offense is crumbling. The defense is terrible. Mike White's back. The Jets will be fine. And this was kind of a reminder to me that like Mike White is still Mike White, right? Like I, I think he had that, he came in, had that great game against the Bears. He's really done nothing other than that. They've, they've lost all the other games that he started. I know he's been banged up. I, I get that. He's better than Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll keep reiterating it, but he's not, he's not anything special here. I mean, I, I, this was, like you said, really never close. Um, Seattle very nearly had a, a pick six on, on the Mike White first interception. It, it mm-hmm. could have been worse early on, ended up in a field goal. Um, but yeah, really disappointing effort from the Jets offense in this game. Um, you know, weren't really able to get much going on the ground. Mike White was under siege the entire day, ended up being sacked four times. Uh, and then on the other side, I mean, the, the one unit that you felt like you could really depend on in this game, that Jets defense, two straight weeks, not looking all that great. Um, I, I foolishly took the under on 61.5 rushing yards for Kenneth Walker Oops. and one play into the game. Uh, that was pretty much <laughs> That was funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing is, though, but normally betting against running backs against the Jets had been a positive proposition. I, I thought so too. I, it was part of my, I had four picks going on prize picks, and I'm like, all right, feel great about this. Like, it, immediately dead. Immediately dead. Yeah. That's, that's annoying. That's, that's super annoying there when you see that happen like that. Mm-hmm. You don't even get a sweat. That's the thing that's frustrating no. there. Um, I had a theory that Kenneth Walker had been minimally practicing the last two weeks because prior to his injury it looked like he had been hitting the, the rookie wall. And I think, and Pete Carroll had a comment on Friday saying he's going to have fresh legs for this one, even though he's listed as questionable. You know, I think he missed a practice was limited to others that is purposely holding him back in practice to, to kind of keep him fresh. So I think that was, I, I, this is a praise Pete Carroll comment here. I think he's been, he, he's crazy like a Fox that way, trying to keep, keep him ready, keep him fresh as best as possible knowing that you need them in the games and just keep them in like, like I got fooled the week before against the chiefs that, you know, I thought, Oh, he didn't practice at all. I'm definitely fading him. Mm-hmm. And to my chagrin, he looked really good in the second half of that game against the chiefs. That was like an eye opener to me that, okay, this is purposeful. This isn't that he can't go. It's we're resting him. Yeah. That, that's, I think smart to kind of parse Pete Carroll's words in that situation. I mean, he really has looked fantastic. Each of the last two weeks went through a really rough stretch uh, kind of near the end of the fantasy regular season. And now, you know, coming out of this game, it's interesting. I mean, Garrett Wilson versus Kenneth Walker for rookie of the year is basically neck and neck, depending on where you look. They're, they're both around like plus 100, plus 150. It really might come down to who has the better week 18, which is pretty wild. And Brock Purdy, by the way, is at four to one to win offensive rookie of the year. Um, That's amazing. Which, right? I mean, that it says a little bit more maybe about the class overall and some of the injuries. You know, somebody like Brees Hall, if he stayed healthy, it kind of felt like he was well on his way. Uh, but Brock Purdy has, has entered the discussion here. And look, if he finishes off the season, what would he be, 6-0? and Maybe. I, I, to me, that's, that's too small of a sample. You can't, to me, you can't miss like 12 games and then win Rookie of the Year. But he's going to get votes if the odds are, are correct here because it's, it's basically a three-man race according to the sportsbook. What's, what's Pickett at now? 
30 to one at points bet. Are you serious? Right. That's insane. I'd rather vote Pickett. That is insane to me. I mean, okay. uh, Yes. Number. If you go strictly by the numbers, I get it. Kenny Pickett's gotten better over the course of the season. He's led the Steelers to two big comeback wins in a row. Uh, This is on on a very bad Steelers offense. And I, I don't think it's because of Pickett. I think, he he's doing the best he can and under the circumstances. I think I think his game has gotten better. I I mean I I think he did a. They're asking him to manage the game, but manage the hell out of it last night against the Ravens. That comeback was huge. Yep. I mean you can just see like the Steelers. Mike Tomlin is just he's such a darn good coach. I want to hate him. I want to hate the Steelers. I'm a Bengals fan. I respect the hell out of Mike Tomlin. He is such an awesome coach. The way he has that team playing right now. The way that they're like backing each other's plays, and it's like you could just see, like, this is you don't want to run into this team. I mean, when they're going to be good again, Pickett's going to be good. Um, I'm you know, I, I understand number wise, he he's not that great. Matt Canada is probably a bad offensive coordinator. I think that's part of my uh, part of my reaction here a little bit, but I I, I think that it's insane that uh, Purdy's odds are so much shorter than Pickett's. Uh, I you know, if if the Steelers get into the playoffs somehow, my mind's going to be blown. Um, because and they've got a they, they they don't control their own destiny. They need a lot of things to happen, but they can they've done their part. And if they win against the Browns next week, they're going to go nine and eight after being three and eight. Just yep. amazing to me. I, I would have thought that final throw last night would have been enough to push Pickett down to like fifteen to one. I mean, 30 to one is crazy for, for, I mean, oftentimes just being a rookie quarterback who starts virtually the entire season can be enough to, to put you into this race. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would bet it, but at 30 to one is still pretty wild value because I, I do think like, let's say Pickett has a huge game. They beat the Browns, they get the results they need and they go into the playoffs. I think there's going to be this upswell uh, of support for Kenny Pickett to potentially win that award. So if you're, if you're in a state where you could maybe just sneak in a, a small number on Pickett 30 to one. Uh, I would consider it. And by the way, to make the playoffs, the Steelers need to one beat the Cleveland Browns two, they need the dolphins to lose to the jets and three, they need the Patriots to lose to the bills possible, you know, not, not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. Yeah. Dolphins jets. That, that might be the, the hardest one of those to, to overcome. I think no, no. Yeah. 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 Definitely the hardest. Cause the bills will beat the Pats. The bills have a lot to play for um in terms of seating and you know they they want home field badly uh for the playoffs there uh we'll get to Bengals bills in a second here tonight for tonight but uh yeah there's a lot to play for there so I think but the Jets they're done they're out I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be the tough part to hurdle even though Miami I mean god Miami's a mess too we'll see we'll get um you want to talk Miami New England let's talk Miami New England here let's do it let's do it um yeah, I mean, this was I, – I took the Patriots in this game. You, you kind of felt like it was going to be a weird one, you know, on the road uh, at New England this late in the year. It, you felt like it was going to be close no matter what, and, of course, it was. Uh, yeah, we discussed with Alan on the XM show the last few days, uh, you know, leading into this game of, like, it feels like there's a reasonable chance we see Skylar Thompson just because Teddy Bridgewater has tended to be pretty fragile and, you know, of course, had the hand injury midway through this game. And T- Skylar Thompson actually ended up attempting more passes than Teddy Bridgewater – that was not a great development for the Miami Dolphins who, you know, somehow, you know, their playoff hopes are, are now hanging by a string after they were in first place in this division, not all that long ago, but uh, Pat's defense, once again, stepping up and, and in my mind, winning them this game. I mean, Mac Jones played okay. You know, I, I thought he was 
this is probably the good version of Mac Jones at this point, 20 of 33, just over 200 yeah. yards, had the two touchdowns. Patriots weren't really able to run the ball. Not, not a great day for Stevenson or Harris. They split the workload pretty evenly, but yeah, getting another defensive touchdown. I think that's four or five now on the year for new England. That's how they've been able to stay alive. Yeah. Miami had copious injuries and I, not to make too many excuses for him, but I thought Teddy Bridgewater would move in a little bit more seamlessly than he did. Um, but Miami had like, you know, they didn't have Taron Armstead and I, I, I should have, you know, weighted that a little heavier. That was a big, big aspect there, you know, not having him uh, protecting uh, Bridgewater's backside there was, was tough. Bridgewater, you know, was bad in this game, uh, but he, he had some help. And then of course the pick six was a huge play. Not just, just, it was, it was huge in two respects. One, because of the actual result, but then two, it knocked Bridgewater out of the game. Yeah, exactly. To me, it wasn't clear if he hurt his, his uh, finger kind of following through on that throw. It looked like he made contact or if it was on a tackle attempt at the end of that pick six yep. by Kyle Duggar, but either way, didn't see him. I mean, you could tell he couldn't really grip a football. Uh, it was attempting to on the sideline and I mean, I don't, I don't know that we don't see Skylar Thompson starting this next game, right? I mean, I, I yeah. think it's completely possible that Bridgewater, uh, I believe he was diagnosed uh, with, with a, a fractured finger on his throwing hand. I think it's very possible he doesn't play. And I, I don't, I think we're kind of in the same situation still with Tua, right? We're like, it's, it's kind of an unanswerable question of like, okay, what is the acceptable amount of time now before, you know, it's universally recognized that it's okay that he plays um, whether he's out of concussion protocol or not. I don't know that that's going to matter. So I, I would say as of right now, the most likely scenario is that Skylar Thompson is starting next week. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, just because of all the history here with Tua, I think you're probably, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Uh, Stefania Bell, like earlier in the week was, had a tweet saying like, what is, you know, all these people that are declaring he shouldn't play the rest of this year. Okay. Well, what's your, ex based on what, 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 medical science are you basing on as she is actually has the medical background on that there in this right. question it's not just passage of time yeah i think that's the thing that with concussions is there they are hard to pin down they are hard you know we saw who was it uh you know we, we saw another one, a case there that, uh this past week where a player looked like he was coming oh yeah colt mccoy you know yeah. oh yeah he cleared concussion protocol oh nope he's displaying symptoms again that happens with concussions it's not the that this, this happens a lot. It, it's why concussions are so tricky to diagnose and treat. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we're seeing the Dolphins as two-and-a-half-point favorites at DraftKings uh, over mm -hmm. the Jets in Week 18. They're at home. It's hard to read too much into that line. Uh, I think if we get the announcement that it's Thompson, that could move a little bit, uh, although the Jets have nothing to play for at this point, so I think that's factored in. And in order to make the playoffs, the Dolphins need to win that game, and they need New England to lose at Buffalo, which again, as you alluded to likely to be something on the line for Buffalo. However, if they lose tonight against Cincinnati, that would, that would knock them down to 12 and four. The Bengals mm -hmm. would also be 12 and four. They would of course have the tie break over the bills and the chiefs would be sitting at 13 and three. So the bills would have no path to the one seed at that point. Correct. Say that. Yeah. I'm, let's see. If the, so, if the bills lose to the Bengals, I don't believe they can get the one seed. Because I think you're right. Even if even if Cincinnati, or even if Kansas City were to lose next week to the Raiders, uh, Cincinnati would then, by virtue of of being uh, thirteen to four, assuming they win next week, would have the tiebreak over Kansas City 
based on head to head. Yeah, I guess I guess it's because I guess it, you know if the Bengals yeah if the Bengals win then the rate and especially because if the Bengals win that clinches the division for them. They still haven't clinched the division even with Baltimore right. losing last night. They still have yes. to win that tonight to have it clinched or beat Baltimore next week because Baltimore beat them the yep. first time. Yep, exactly. I think that game is also a possibility for Sunday night football. Um, so I, that's that's kind of why I, I think yeah. the league wants to wait and at least have a a gauge for how tonight's game is going. Because, yeah. yeah, you could make a case for three or four different options. But, yeah, Bengals-Ravens for the three-seed slash AFC North is, you know, that, that that would be a very solid Sunday night game. I think you'd be okay with that. Yeah. Honestly, I had preferred to have a normal, boring Sunday afternoon game uh, against them at this point in time. Because that would mean that in that, in that case that the, the Bengals had already clinched uh, or at least done something right uh, about that. But also, yeah, I, you know, I don't want them prime time to risk losing the division to the stupid Ravens. Uh, who ugh, I don't even want to even think about that one there. Um, man, the Ravens. Speaking of the Ravens, uh, let's talk Ravens in a second. But before we do that. Quick note from our friends at Monkey Knife Fight here because we need to get this one in. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, Nick, the, the Ravens, they have a prehistoric offense. They're they're just so tough to watch. Really, I mean, I respect the head of John John Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. Um, Lamar not being there obviously is huge. This 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 offense is designed around Lamar, not around Tyler Huntley, and it shows. Uh, but man, just give me one wide receiver that's a threat at all. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews. I, he somehow ended up for nine for 100, and I can't tell you two plays that stood out in my mind about that he made. I mean, he he did. He got there, and I remember, like, one play along the sideline uh, where he made a really nice catch. I don't – but, they, you know, his longest catch was 19 yards. They just don't have any explosive passing plays at all. No, I think was – it, was it last week they had the Demarcus Robinson touchdown? That was their first touchdown by a receiver since week three. I mean, that is yep. just – alarming that should never happen in the modern nfl uh this game to me felt eerily similar to last week for pittsburgh where they were they were trailing yeah. throughout they were down two scores at one point and lo and behold they, they get the ball late and for the second week in a row they basically win on, on a walk-off fashion and you know baltimore had a chance late in this game with with under a minute left to make something happen and i mean tyler huntley i don't even know what he was looking at uh, gets picked by Micah fitzpatrick with about 20 seconds left on the clock uh, tough situation either way. Um, you know, it's, it's not like you could say Lamar Jackson absolutely leads you down to a touchdown there, but Tyler Huntley did not play well once mm -mm. again in this game, no. um, other than finding Mark Andrews, who, I mean, Andrews accounted for a hundred of the 130 yards passing for the Ravens. I mean, nine of the 14 completions for Tyler Huntley. And the big thing with Huntley, you know, I, I've kind of supported him in the past. He's been a fun player. He hasn't been good this season, but he's not giving you anywhere close to the production on the ground of Lamar Jackson. Like you, you no. can live with him not being as good of a passer, but if he's also only rushing for 24 yards on seven carries, like what is the point? Yeah. Baltimore wide receivers, two catches for 18 yards on five targets. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. Doesn't matter like the number one Yeah. Likely. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, yeah. And you know that they were lucky to get that touchdown by the way, you know, because they had the penalty there on, you know, that post play penalty on uh, Cam Hayward, which 
I, I didn't even think I thought it was kind of a Nick, a tick, ticky tack sort of penalty in the first place there. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, thought he was provoked. I, I thought that, I thought that should yeah. have been either a no call or offsetting. That was great. I mean, especially given the situation that was on third down, I believe. Right. I mean, they it were was. very clear. They were, they're going to have to come off the field and kick the field goal yep. right before half. Uh, yeah, I didn't like they, they gave him time for one more offensive play basically too. That was the funny yep. thing. Um, yeah. So Pickett wasn't great in this one. Uh, Najee Harris was great. Najee oh, yeah. Harris had a lot of jump, you know, literally he jumped over uh, like the pile on one run for a seven yard run. He didn't have like a, you know, a, a big play. He had his longest was like 15. So uh, to average five yards per carry when you're long is 15. That shows he was steady the entire game. Obviously he caught the pass for a touchdown. They should, they should throw to him more, uh, but he looked good. Jalen Warren looked good. Uh, they're not, this isn't, this isn't a great offense either. It's a pretty bad offense also. There's a reason why the total in this game was 35. Um, but yeah, you know, Harris looks good and, and Pickett made plays when he had to, I guess that's, that's the kind of response I have from this game. First 100 yard game for Najee Harris since week 17 of last season. Uh, wow. Anybody who's watched the Steelers this year, that checks out. You're like, yeah, I feel like he has 18 for 58 every week. And that's pretty much the truth, but no, you're right. I mean, two of the last three weeks, I thought he looked really good in that Carolina game as well was not, a, it was one of those that was not a high yards per carry game, but he just looks like he's running better than he was earlier in the year. You do wonder yeah. if maybe that foot uh, was an issue at all, but this was the Najee Harris that we saw on display last season. I mean, super dynamic running hard. I mean, there were multiple times where he's carrying three or four defenders for an extra yard or two at the end. So yeah, he was, Pickett played well, you know, he gets credit for, for the touchdown at the end, but I, I thought Najee Harris was very, very clearly the Steelers best player because Beyond that last drive, I mean, the Steelers were not moving the ball. Like, we, we, we could criticize the Baltimore Ravens passing game. It wasn't a whole lot prettier for Pittsburgh. I mean, Pat Fryermuth was the leading receiver with 36 yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it seemed like he was he was making more plays because I kept on hearing Muth or whatever, but I guess it was only three catches. Felt like 10. Um, but I don't know. It, it was wild to see that there. Uh, yeah, so – I haven't done guess the line yet for Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland yet, but I got to imagine Pittsburgh's going to be riding high. I would, although Cleveland won too. I don't know. I'd say, I'd guess that Pittsburgh would be like a five point favorite in this one. Maybe even, maybe five and a half. I haven't looked yet either. Do, do you want me to reveal it? Or let's should do we it. Save it for Why the not? Show? Let, okay. Let's do this right, one. So. Most we Let's let the Rotowire people get something here. Okay. Excellent. So over at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the Pittsburgh Steelers are three point home favorites. Against That's the Cleveland all. Browns, hmm. total of 39. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland won on the road finally. Uh, that's something yeah. they haven't been doing a whole lot of. But and the, and the thing is, this is such a Cleveland finish. They're, they're gonna they're out of the playoffs. They're seven and nine. They're gonna they could finish eight and nine. Be a spoiler here. And oh, it's a pretty decent season. Deshaun Watson was he only completed nine passes yesterday, uh, but it was for three touchdowns. He came up big in moments. And some bad tackling on Amari Cooper helped. A little bit there, but there are other moments where he didn't look great. He got sacked five times. They call that designated run on fourth down uh, and that, that oh, first so goal bad. line sequence. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb gets him into the red zone and they take him out of the game inside the 10 yard line for four plays. They called that that designated run. Was, it was on fourth down, right? And it yes. was like they were at like the four yard line. I'm like, you, you just like it was it was actually there. I think he gained like two yards. Like you just can't call that that far away from the goal line. I thought that was that was just such an amateur call by Stefanski. Yeah, uh, I didn't like it at all. Uh, yeah, just, I, I don't know. I, I'm still not sold on Watson. 
Uh, didn't get picked, so there is that. Uh, didn't fumble anything. Um, Chubb, 14 for 104. Why not more? I don't know. I'm just I'm that's also part of my NFFC non-winning overall yeah. playoff team. But I mean, at least I won my league. I shouldn't be too upset, but I am. I want more. I want more. Um, so that, that that's all I gotta say about them. Uh, about tonight's game. Go ahead. You were gonna say something. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna point out that yes, Deshaun Watson did not throw an interception, but he also only threw the ball 18 times in this game. Somehow, yeah. uh, it was nine of 18 for 169 yards and three touchdowns. One of the more uh, bizarre lines that you're going to see from him. I mean, he basically had as many carries as completions in this game. But let's, let's go to Bengals Bills and finish out. Yeah, I was just looking at the total plays on this one there. Only 53 for the Browns, 68 for the yeah. Commanders. That's not even a lot for the Commanders, even for that much, for that matter. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Scott asks, uh, I need 42 points from Josh Allen tonight. Six points for passing, uh, six points for uh, any TD. What, is this, what are his chances? Well, Scott, no offense. I am going to kind of have to root against this happening for you tonight. So it, it colors my answer. Uh, but I, I actually do think this is a little bit – both defenses in this game are underrated. I think everybody's like, oh, yes, Burrow, Allen, let's see a shootout. This will be awesome. I don't know if that necessarily happens. I know the total's like at 49 and a half, 50 in most places. I don't mind the under in this one, although I, I, you know, betting unders is always a painful experience because you're just rooting mm-hmm. against things the whole time. Yeah, I've seen the total up at 50 and a half at some books. So I think the belief yeah. is that we do get somewhat of a shootout here. And yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see this game being played in the high 20s. I, I don't know, you know, if we if we're I don't think we're going to see like a 43 40 type of game here, but it, it's always in the cards. I mean, if we're talking chances to get 42 out of Allen. It's not good, obviously. I mean, if there's any quarterback who's who's on the short list of guys who can get there, it is him. But, I mean, I would go like 10%. I don't know. I mean, like Tom Brady, the day he had yesterday in the league where I have him in PPR, I mean, uh, 38 fantasy points out of Brady. So, it's like, is he going to do markedly better than Tom Brady's 432 yards, three touchdowns, plus a rushing touchdown? Probably not. No. No, probably not. So, I'd say the chances are pretty – I mean, it's possible with Allen, but – you know, and six points for a passing TD will help get you there. But I would say you're probably a 10% chance to get there. Maybe less even uh, would be my guess uh, as far as that goes. Uh, yeah, I am so excited about this game though. You know, I've been pointing to this game ever since the schedule came out. Obviously both teams, you know, both fan bases are crazy about this. Uh, you know, the, yeah, Bills Mafia will find their way into the stadium. I know the Bengals sold out their season ticket package in a hurry, but nonetheless, um, you know, yeah, it won't be like Niners in Vegas last in Vegas yesterday, where it was like probably two thirds Niners fans, uh, or not and Niners in any game in LA for that matter is the same way. I don't think it'll be that bad, but uh, there'll be plenty of Bills fans there. I'm I'm, I'm thinking, but I can't wait for this game. It, it's so exciting to see, and even though I'm 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 pretty darn nervous at this point in time. I'm excited about it. I'm fired up to do the show during this game, man. It's going to be a, yeah. it's gonna be an awesome uh, two hours. Yeah, we'll, we'll basically get usually the entire first half of the game uh, transpires during the XM show. So if you're listening to this pod, make sure you check us out on Sirius XM, 7 to 9 p.m. Central, Monday through Thursday. Conditions are looking good in Cincy tonight. Should be around 60 degrees. You know, really no wind at all, no precipitation. Uh, so, you know, playing into maybe this narrative that we do get a high-scoring game. But um, either way, I mean, Obviously, if the Bills, if the Bengals win this game, to me, they have the two most impressive wins of the entire season. They will have swept Kansas City and Buffalo, which is wild. Uh, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't feel like they 
like if the Bengals lose this game, as long as they don't just get completely blown out, like you're not going to be devastated, right? It's like you already proved that you could beat the Chiefs. I, I think in some ways this could end up being a, a rematch in a few weeks. So even if you beat the Bills, you know, it's not like you, you vanquished them forever. So I think it's a, it's a fun test. It's rare this late in the season that we get this type of game. But at the same time, I think both teams probably come into this saying, all right, this, this is a big game, but I, I think we might see each other again in the postseason. And that's when it's really going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and if the Bills win, they'll have the two most impressive wins, beating Kansas City in Kansas City and Cincinnati in Cincinnati. True. Uh, True. I can see that, too, as a, as a case there. Yeah. Super excited about this one there. Um, and it, it's such an impactful game, too. Uh, both teams, despite both teams making the playoffs, this is like it changes so many different things. I mean, I, I granted, I still think KC is going to end up with the one. I don't see them losing against the Raiders next week. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. We'll see about that. Uh, any other takeaways from this week? I know we didn't painstakingly go game by game this week. I didn't think that it, the format really worked out that well for that. But uh, was there anything you wanted to share from any other games? Any other takeaways? No, not too much. I, uh, I'm just really fired up for Saturday night, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good possible game of the century. Um, you know, Packers, Jaguars, Whalen Bowl is still on the table. Uh, improbably, whoever would have thought. Um, but no, I'm, I'm fired up, man. We... It, it's tough. You know, it's the end of the fantasy season. So now we kind of go into this, this weird week 18 where you know, you're, you're relying on DFS and player props and things like that. And instead of fantasy championships, but I'm fired up. I'm, I'm really, really excited. We have so much on the line still in week 18. I mean, it felt like we had a lot on the line by week 17 standards and there's still so much unsettled at this point. So very few uh, just completely meaningless games coming up next week. And you know, we'll, we'll get rid of those in the early window on Sunday anyway. Exactly. Exactly. All right, folks, good stuff there. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Uh, good luck. And uh, if you've got anything on the line tonight, um, and thanks again for tuning in all season long. Nick and I have had a blast doing this. Uh, please make sure to still continue to check us out on SiriusXM Fantasy. You've got uh, Irons in the Fire this week. we got free agents tomorrow with Jake and Joe. Uh, and we'll have our regular podcast schedule all week long. Stay tuned. And thanks again for listening to RotoWire Fantasy uh, Football Podcast here, brought to you by No House Advantage. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.